All right, so I swear to God, I originally <laughs> had a plan. <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> and the original plan was we were going to take a break, but it wasn't going to be last week. It was going to be this week. And then mm. last week happened. So <laughs> we kind of shuffled some things around. And unfortunately, we are still short a person tonight. But anyways, we'll we'll continue on. The show must go on, as it were. We will rise from the ashes of missing a person. Altered uh, Beast, <laughs> rise from your grave! <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg. I, uh, I was going to do a joke and I forgot about it. Oh, well, I'll get to that <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, it's understandable. It's It's been a, a longish weekend weekend for both of us, so. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to Countdown to Comic-Con. Mm. Which is next weekend, or this upcoming weekend, rather. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. So next week's episode is going to be big, loud, and opinionated, like every episode, but even more so. There's a JDM car fans versus muscle car fans joke in here, but that would only be funny to me. Fair enough. <laughs> but speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, we did get some news in this past week, not this one that just happened, but the week before, about some other Hall H presentations that are happening, one of which being... Black Adam. Oh, oh, I'm sure you were really excited when you heard about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm super enthused. Dwayne Johnson's going to be there, along with all of his JSA co-stars, Pierce Brosnan, Aldous Hodge, Noah Centineo, and Quintessa Swindell, and director... I'm so bad with names. I just looked up how to pronounce this, too. How may call it Sarah, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. I'm, I'm bad. I'm so bad at names, and I'm brain dead today. <laughs> so they're gonna be there which is yeah alright whatever we also know they're gonna have a Hall H panel for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves that's right that is a thing isn't it <laughs> yeah it is the film's cast and filmmakers will be on hand to give an exclusive sneak peek at the film attendees will receive an exclusive collectible poster and outside mm. the convention center they're actually bringing a tavern experience Visitors will get a 20-minute immersive experience, which includes photo ops, exclusive takeaways like a custom-created print from Boss Logic, and a chance to sip on Dragon Brew, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, and interact with your favorite Dungeons & Dragons creatures and characters. Do they get to have the realistic experience of rolling a 1 and breaking both of their legs? God, that would be funny. <laughs> that would be pretty great. My leg! <laughs> My legs! <laughs> Good times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, that's something else to look forward to. I have no idea how I'm going to manage to keep track of all this stuff while I'm at work, but I guess mm. I'm just going to have to get this stuff after the fact and freak out about it on my own time. Ah, uh, yes. The best kind of freak out. The yeah. holy crap news overload freak out. Now, it's not confirmed that this one will be at San Diego Comic-Con, but we're probably going to get some news on it because it turns out Captain America 4 officially has a director. Oh, nice. Yeah. Julius Ona, best known for directing The Cloverfield Paradox, which I still mm -hmm. haven't seen. Neither have I. To my understanding, it is not a particularly good movie. Okay. However, it also sounds like it's one of those movies where they didn't even decide it was going to be a Cloverfield movie until later in production. So, mm. I feel like you really can't blame the director that much for that, you know? Right. Still, Falcon and Winter Soldier was kind of a misstep in a lot of ways, but there was some really good stuff in there, and I'm looking forward to seeing 
what Sam Wilson's going to do now that he is cap. The once in future cap. The true cap. (laughs) No cap. I I hate that you did that just now. You know, same. Same. I thought about not doing it. And then I thought again. And then I did it anyway. Mm. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I enjoyed... Cap and Winter Soldier quite a lot. I do understand like some of the misgivings that were given from it, but I enjoyed it a lot, and I do think that there are some interesting building blocks that were built from there, and I'm curious to see what Captain America 4 does with them, if anything. Mm. So, Definitely. I'm I'm more or less neutral on it at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that we don't get more Sharon Carter because that Power Broker reveal was just <laughs> bad and dumb and why would you lead them to the guy who makes you the super soldier serum when you're the person selling the super soldier serum and you could just lead them in circles or to some dummy who gets shot instead why would you do this (laughs) (sighs) why you do this but that's neither here nor there we got some interesting returning cast announcements for Mm -hmm. Disney Plus and Marvel's Echo series and that is Daredevil and Kingpin are back, baby. So are they about to like kind of do what happened when they put the Punisher in the show in um, Daredevil and just have it be where it's like just a constant distraction because people are more interested in these two? Because that's kind of the feeling I got when I saw that. Yeah, maybe. Because yeah. I don't know. I liked Echo fine in Hawkeye, but it mm-hmm. does bug me a little bit that she's so far the only character to get spun off into a thing where her spinoff was announced before we even saw her. So it's Mm. like, it's not even a chance of giving the fans an opportunity to tell you that they want more of this. It's deciding we're going to go ahead with it anyway. It's like, uh... I mean, I'm sure that's how it gets done anyway. But it's still a little... I don't know. Yeah. Is it bad that the thing that interests me most about this is how are Daredevil and Echo going to talk no, because it's a good question. <laughs> no, because it's because it, no, it's legitimately a good question. It's like okay, one person's blind, the other person is deaf, and so mute. I think. Yeah, and also mute. Because I don't think she ever actually said anything in the show. It was just sign language. Yeah, it was sign language the whole time. No, like that. It's I personally think that that's a good question, and I am curious to see in what either. It feels like one of those things where depending on what they come up with, it's either going to be ingenious or really stupid with zero gray area whatsoever yeah like is daredevil's do you reckon daredevil's radar sense is precise enough that he can detect sign language movements i was kind of thinking that he's able to sonar ping like lip reading but she doesn't talk no no she doesn't but i I don't know i mean he can hear people's (laughs) heartbeats so that's oh true if he, if his hearing is that amplified, but but wait, what sense would he use for detecting stuff? I guess that would be feeling vibrations or something. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Like I I I have a hard time seeing how this is supposed to work. Maybe they just won't interact. Maybe it'll be like they're both dealing with Kingpin in their own ways, and they don't really stop and have a conversation. Hmm. It's a six-episode series, probably, so if some of these last ones are any indication, 
the pacing's gonna be a little difficult. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I still maintain that it's either gonna be really cool or really dumb, and not really something that's like kind of in the middle. So we'll I'm just see. glad that they are basically confirming that Kingpin is not dead. Because I mean, yeah. I think we all knew he wasn't dead, but it's still nice to have that confirmed. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Never saw the body. Can't be dead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm gonna jump on this list to mm-hmm. another bit of casting. Only this one is someone who we know won't be in a thing. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation which character in Wakanda's big sprawling cast will take up the mantle of Black Panther after the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Well, we can now know it won't be Wakabi because unfortunately, Daniel Kaluuya will not be in Black Panther two due to scheduling Aww. conflicts with Nope. Uh, he was... Oh, that's right. <laughs> he was so great. Like, he was. He, yeah, I enjoyed him being, like, the foil to everyone else. The guy was like, yeah, we're mates, as long as you don't fuck up. <laughs> God help you if you fuck up. <laughs> Honestly, I think the worst bit is, there are people who genuinely want to see Killmonger come back and be Black Panther, and it's like, okay... He's- Dead. I, yeah, I don't agree with the decision not to recast T'Challa, but I acknowledge that it was done with the best of intentions, even if it is kind of a bad idea, and I feel like it's really going to shoot this entire franchise in the foot. But mm-hmm. I can respect the circumstances and the the reasoning behind it. That mm-hmm. being said, I do not understand how some people can look at the fact that they decided not to recast the character because of the real-life tragic passing of their actor and then decided to turn around and say, you know what they should do? They should resurrect the dead bad guy and have him (laughs) be the villain and have him be the hero. Yeah. It's like, do you guys just not hear how tone-deaf that sounds? Mm. Because it's kind of gross. Yeah. I feel like it would be... I mean, granted, it would have to be a thing where they decide on that before they started filming. I was going to make a, a connection between, like, Paul Walker's death and the Fast and Furious. Like, no, that doesn't work, because they were, like, halfway done with that movie when he died, so... Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... that's. I, I don't get how people can, like, pull, pull Killmonger up as a candidate, because it's like, he is explicitly... De- like, he literally killed himself. I would because... literally rather Shuri. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's going to be Shuri. I'd rather Ross. Mm. I'd rather they make Black <laughs> Panther a white guy than have it be Killmonger. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, they should not have it be Ross. Never. No. Never. Not only because he's white, but because he's a CIA agent <laughs> for the yeah, USA. There's, there's no trusting there. That's a, uh, that's some bad optics. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not great. Nah, nah. Oh, hey, speaking of Nope, we actually have some more news on that, which is that Mm -hmm. the amusement park set from Nope will be opening on Universal Studios Tour day and date with the movie. Wait. Wait, is there going to... I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I understand. Is there going to be, like, a small amusement park thing themed after Nope, or it's literally, like, a portion of the movie set is at Universal? The set for the amusement park is going to be added to Universal Studio Tour. Oh, so the amusement park within the movie itself. Yeah. Okay. All right, because when I first heard that, it's like, 
uh, it's like, wait, we're doing a nope amusement park? Man, they're going like balls deep into this IP. <laughs> yeah, on the flip side, though, mm. that does suggest that there's something impressive here that they think is, which I wouldn't have expected. I would not, oh, yeah. of all the things to get like a amusement park set in a tour, I would not expect nope right off the bat, especially not day and date with the movie. But hey, yeah. that comes out this weekend, so I'm definitely. Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to balance watching Nope and keeping up with San Diego Comic Con. Oh god, I forgot that Nope comes out this weekend. I thought it was still a little bit away. Nope, we're out of time. It's this weekend. No, you did not. <laughs> oh god, damn it! <laughs> to be fair, it's such a common word. But it's damn like, it! You didn't. You did not just do that to me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I did. I did put that evil on you. <laughs> we got some other casting news. This was actual casting news. Unfortunately, it's more Madam Web casting news. Okay. We got Mike Epps and Adam Scott both being added to the cast in undisclosed roles. Okay. Mike Epps was in The Hangover One and Part Three. <laughs> he was also in the uh, 2016 TV series remake, boot, revival, whatever, of Uncle Buck. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that was him. Okay. He was Uncle Buck. Oh, okay, all right. All right. Then ah. Adam Scott was Ben Wyatt in Parks and Recreation, Adam okay. Yates Jr. in Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Trevor <laughs> in The Good Place. Okay. <laughs> All right. This sounds like fun. Yeah, shame uh, it's going to be Madam Web. Eh, it's Madam in time. It's Madam. Again, I'm I'm just curious to see how it goes. I think this this series is still going to be one of those ones where I'm just going to kind of peek from the sidelines to see the initial reception before like really deciding what I want to do with. I'm going to have to go see it. <laughs> I don't want to go see it, but I have to go see it. I mean, you don't have to. It's for content. Fair. I can only pull the minions gag every so often, you know. <laughs> That's fair. There's that a limit fair. to how many times I can realistically pull that off. Mm. But yeah, no, Madam Web is still set to come out. When is this movie coming out? I know it's next year, but. When? Mm -hmm. July 7th, 2023. Oh, dear. We have less than a year until Madam in time. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> It'll be fine. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. Did you, you saw Morbius, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell uh, me it's gonna be fine. <laughs> I mean, look, man, what'll save this movie more than anything else, no matter how bad it is, is another montage of a cut of, I almost said of a customer, of an actor dancing to some absolutely ridiculous song about how much sex they have. Wow, after <laughs> killing people? After killing a whole bunch of people. Oh my god, that happened. I've both Venom movies and Morbius, don't tell me it's fine. Oh, I like the first Venom. I I still need to see Venom too. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think I have it mm. on disc now. Probably. Anyways, unrelated to superhero movie stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to call this new segment 
Joe Dante is a fucking lunatic. I don't know who Joe Dante is. Excellent. He's a director of <laughs> Gremlins. Wait, what? He's a director of Gremlins. Okay. Why is he a lunatic? Because he thinks Baby Yoda is a shameless copy of Gizmo. What? Yes. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> what the hell? Um. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, not even close. No. No. But the exact but, quote is to the San Francisco Chronicle. I think the longevity of the films is really key to this one character, Gizmo, who's essentially like a baby. Which brings me, of course, to the subject of Baby Yoda, who is completely stolen and is just out-and-out copied. Shamelessly, I would think. No. What the hell? That's stupid. I'd like to point out Yoda came out before Gremlins. Gremlins, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... I there's a lot of places I could go with this, but it all b comes to the same finish line, which is this is stupid. <laughs> this is a bad take to end all bad takes. Oh yeah. I forget. Are they doing anything with Gremlins? That's a good question. I have to actually. check on this now. I'm not sure. One moment. Mm hmm. Oh God! There's a Gremlins three in active development apparently. Oh no. Yeah. No. I... Please. No. 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 No, no, no. Oh, what? Oh, what? <laughs> I think the only thing I remember about Gremlins, like, growing up, is the toys. Because even though my sister was born, like, two years after the movie came out, um, I do remember she had at least one Gremlins toy growing up. And I, I was not fond of it. <laughs> you know, in my brain, there's some inexorable link between Gremlins and Furbies. No, that tracks. No, I I a hundred percent can see that. Yep. I don't know what it is. It's just I see a gremlin and I think that's a Furby. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, bad take. One hundred percent. Just what are you even? Can you math? Mm. Do you can, do you know how to math? Right. We'll move on from that though. We got some Disney live action remake news. Okay. Which is, the Lilo and Stitch live-action pick has Dean Fleischer Camp directing, the director of Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, A24's most recent thing, which got a limited release and I haven't been able to see yet, so I'm disappointed about that. It looks charming. Oh, is there is there, like, something out for it? Like, a trailer or anything? Yeah, there's been trailers. Like, it's out. Oh, how have I missed this this whole because time? Because it's been a very limited release. Oh, yeah, honestly, my first, my, my, I found out about it reading the list of stuff you sent me, and it's like, I, what? So, I, I mean, granted, yes, limited release, I understand that, but I am just genuinely shocked that this never even came across my radar, because I loved Lilo and Stitch Girl. Oh, no, I was talking about Marcel the Shell with Shoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lilo Stitch just got its director. How would it already be released? I just said okay. this. That's fair. Okay, then in that case, ignoring what I just said, why no, is there a live in. <laughs> Why is there a live action Lilo and Stitch? Because Disney likes money and hates ideas. It's like a lot of the previous live action movies I've been kind of able to like either like ignore or forgive. Um because it's like, okay, 
in some capacity, this these movies are supposed to be like how the animated movies were for us when we were growing up. That I understand. I'm also to give able to give forgiveness for things that take those original concepts but do something with them. The Cruella movie comes to mind. Um, Dalmatians killed my mom. <laughs> Dalmatians <laughs> killed me, mom. I can't even with this shit. I still love, like, complete apropos of nothing, but I still love how when we went to see it, the two of us just have completely opposite reactions. I'm in my chair going, oh my god, and you're just losing it next to me. It was fucking funny. It was so funny. This Dalmatian just comes jumping at her, like, just fucking Sparta kicks her off a balcony and she goes tumbling off a cliff. It's like, I just, like, just sees the Dalmatian, like, just body this woman. It's like, oh, and you're just, like, literally, like, trying your damnedest not to break out into loud laughter in this packed movie theater. I was failing very badly at it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Lilo and Stitch, terrible idea. There's no way to make Stitch look... Decent. Decent, and not creepy, and not awful. (laughs) I don't know, though. I guess we'll see. Then the final bit of news I got before we move on to other stuff is Martin Lawrence is confident that we're going to have at least one more Bad Boys movie. Why? The last one was honestly a pretty solid ending on the franchise. So I don't see the need to make another one. Well, they were already working on it when Bad Boys for Life was rolling through the box office two years ago. Mm. But... There was some concern that after the whole Will Smith Oscars incident, Sony was going to pull the plug on it. Mm. But uh, Martin Lawrence has said, we got one more at least. So, yeah. I still can't believe that that was my best movie of January 2020. It was a good movie, though. Yeah, but like... (laughs) Well, wait, what else came out that month? Nothing. That's why it won. Oh, I mean, still... <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, it was a it was a decent movie, but it's also not the kind of movie where I would expect it to be on my best movie of any time frame list. Maybe best movie of that week. Right. January movies. They suck. Typically, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to rewatch that movie now. I tried watching the first Bad Boys, couldn't do it. Never bothered to watch the second. Yeah, the first Bad Boys, I honestly don't remember a lot of. The second one, the second one was honestly, I remember watching that on Spike TV a lot. Because it was always aired on Spike, like, at least a, a two, three times a month. Hmm. But, of course, since it was on TV, they cut out a lot of the not great moments in it, like, pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. All I really remember from the from the latest one is just them driving down the beach and like almost killing people just so Martin Lawrence could go see his grandkids be born. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I remember that not just because of how abhorrent the driving was, but also because of the car, <laughs> because it was a very nice Porsche 911 Carrera. Which you know, that's just kind of how my brain works. Wait, what was that? Bar- what was that part about? Like being in a MAGA guy's basement or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Do it I was have that a... line right? No, but I remember, 
like I think they were like stole somebody's like trike, like motorized. Yeah, trike. and there was a and there was a fucking what was it a big old minigun in the in the yeah sidecar. There was a minigun, I think there was like an RPG or something, and it was something along the lines of, if I remember right, it was something along the lines of, I am in like some like white supremacist closet or something, is what it feels like having all these guns here. Or something just equally not so. I remember that, and I remember, oh, this is my wife's car. <laughs> That's about I remember it. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Yeah, no, I am really struggling to remember anything else. Uh, well, I guess that means that at some point, uh, Bad Boys for Life needs to be added to the movie list. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you are not looking forward to that. <laughs> eh, could be worse. Mm, fair. So I guess that wraps up news, which means since we're not doing gaming this week because we are short one Mr. Agent Duckman, mm-hmm. it's trailer time! It's trailer time. And we're starting off with two Harley Quinn trailers. Mm-hmm. Because we got both the official trailer and the Red Band trailer in the span of a week. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't want to say eh, um, because it's anything but. It makes me want to... It makes me want to watch the new season. But at the same time, it's one of those things where if you've watched the first two se- tra- um, seasons of Harley Quinn, there's not really anything super new here. There's definitely something is, new in Ivy having actual big plans. Yeah. With the whole big plans thing, there was one part that did catch my attention was when um they go, how is an Ivy plan even worse than a Harley Quinn plan? And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's an excellent question. <laughs> that is an excellent question. You have my complete and undivided attention now. <laughs> I wonder if it's because... Because Ivy's usually just like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing this stuff like killing mm-hmm. CEOs of companies that are knowingly polluting the environment or whatever. But terraforming the entire city and reclaiming the whole thing from humans is a like big step for her. And I wonder if it's because of Harley encouraging more spontaneity and going crazy and aiming bigger. Because yeah, that maybe. would tie in uh, Harley not necessarily being the best influence of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since, at least in the first two seasons, her, um, Ivy's role, at least I felt like, was supposed to be more of the straight man of the whole group. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works out. Who knows? Looks like we're getting Swamp Thing. Mm. Or maybe that's Floronic Man. I don't know. Hard to tell. All I know is it's not Man Thing, giant size or otherwise. Fair. There was one joke that completely flew over my head. I was wondering if you could like give insight into it what was the whole thing of harley talking about like ben affleck's like duck collection or something like that uh what i remember her saying she upper decked his soda stream and i'm that's it that's the one i'm thinking of. hold on (laughs) i'm gonna google this and i'm probably gonna regret it yeah you know what Uh oh oh (laughs) <laughs> what is that that sounds uh hold on i'm googling it too so i kind of want to see oh no <laughs> <laughs> this man is a maniac <laughs> this man has a home office soda machine that has both diet coke and diet pepsi <laughs> oh wait you just looked up the soda stream part 
Well, this Ben Affleck soda machine is just all I searched up. Why is there more? <laughs> oh, you didn't look up upper decking? No. Look it up. I'm not explaining it here. Everybody just gets to listen to our incredulous reactions. Is upper decking like a uh, like an urban dictionary type thing? Yeah, just just Google upper decking. Oh boy, this is a Dude, what the hell? Yeah, like I said, not explaining it here. Everybody else, if you don't know, have fun. Oh my god. I can't believe you had that exaggerated over the top reaction to a goddamn soda stream. What the hell? <laughs> no, I mean, that is like something like that, even though I'm like neutral to both of them. It's like, if you're going to have both of those in the same machine, then yeah, you are kind of a maniac. Let's be real. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How may I help you, my child? <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> we also got our first look at Nightwing, so that was neat. Mm hmm. I like how he's kind of a tryhard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially the whole part of him, like I think having a serious. Serious. I did actually go like, "Oh my God, ladies, you're both pretty." And I forget what Harley said at the end, but it was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking right now." I think now. it was seriously <laughs> just fucking kill me already. Yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I kind of was in agreement with that. So I wonder if, because it looks like Bane survived, obviously. Mm-hmm. You think he's gonna try to join them? I feel like they've been kind of trying to set up for that in some capacity, just because of how Bane has always been, like, the punching bag for this whole time. Yeah. So, but I also wouldn't be not really meaning any harm by any of it. Yeah. So, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the angle that they try for. Also, Joker running for mayor. Is that something that ever happens in the comics? I don't the think so. Because it feels like something straight out of the comics, in, in all honesty. I feel like that could only happen in the Silver Age. Because mm. any other time they would bring up Joker, you know, probably isn't eligible for office due to being a, a wanted felon or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't imagine a comic where Joker actually did this, but <laughs> you know what? I mean, anything is possible. I mean, I Lex Luthor I mean, I... was president for a while. Well, so that's kind of part of where I got that idea from, is because I remember the whole thing of Lex Luthor running for president, but it is a thing of, like, no, I, like, probably just one of those, like, made-up things that formed in my head, but it was a thing of when I saw that, I was like, this feels like something, like, not actually the Lex Luthor thing, this just feels like something that would happen standalone in the comics at some point. Yeah, not as far as I can tell, which kind of tracks, mm. because, like I said... I mean, Lex Luthor running for president is one thing. Lex has power and influence and mm -hmm. is kind of a mastermind. Joker's... I mean, Joker. he's called the Joker. <laughs> Would you vote for a guy who calls himself the Joker? Don't answer that. <laughs> I Although when, when they said it's like Commissioner Gordon was his opponent, it's like, oh, Joker's going to become the fucking mayor, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Uh. Mm. But anyways, no, I... this looks interesting. Looking forward to oh, it. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, and next we had uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. This which... does not feel like an A twenty four movie. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone on that because when I was watching this trailer, it was like I thought to myself, this is the most like normal looking A twenty four movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it almost like... feels Blumhouse. Yeah, it's 
like A24, at least from like just the things I've seen of them, they tend to go like a more like abstract and artsy style with a lot of their big movies. And there's definitely a little bit of that present here. But it, in a certain way, it felt it. I don't feel like it's going to be bad, but it doesn't feel like an A24 movie. It does kind of feel like of a, in a certain degree, a run of the mill horror comedy type of movie with nothing to really set it apart. But eh, maybe we'll see. I'm exercising caution or whatever it is she says. You call that the exercise yeah. caution? It looks like you're getting a meat cleaver while going to look for my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise, I know I don't, I definitely don't do straight horror, but I kind of dig this movie a little bit, so I'm interested enough in it to see, like, to maybe not see it, like, opening night, but I mm. think I would want to see it at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure what, I, I feel like this is probably more of a th- comedy thriller? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, true. I'm always kind of blurry on where some killer with a knife fits into a hor- fits into the horror spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, yeah, that's it's pretty terrifying, but it also feels kind of low-key. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't look bad, but it doesn't have the same pull that A24 stuff normally does. No, definitely not. I was very surprised to find out this was them. Mm-hmm. Because it feels normal. Yeah, like I said, it, it feels... I, like I said, I said, this is the most normal-looking A24 movie trailer I've ever seen in my it's life. It's missing so. that je ne sais quoi. Yeah, the je ne sais quoi with a little bit sprinkling of being on shrooms during the editing process. I'm not sure how I feel about the cut of its jib. <laughs> Still, yeah, I'll definitely go check it out. I mean, it's A24, and there aren't many A24 movies I've seen that I didn't like, so... Right. Or this could just be a general expansion of their brand, which was bound to happen eventually, so... Oh, yeah, no. Whatever. Yeah. I guess we can move right into Spin Me Around with Allison Brie and Aubrey Plaza. So, the the only reason I want to even see any of this movie, because I'm really not interested in it, is Aubrey Plaza. Okay, full disclosure, that's why I added the trailer. (laughs) I, like... Aubrey Plaza for me is just this weird, awkwardly adorable like person. She's amazing. Uh, she's a great. Otherwise, I have like zero interest in this movie. <laughs> I think the mystery is relative is decently engaging enough. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just that the guy's a fucking murderer or whatever. But yeah, or like a huge perv or something. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely kind of hard to tell, especially because she's playing the. Because you got Aubrey Plaza there as, like, the sardonic eye-rolling assistant who seems to know what's going on, but it's just like, man, whatever. During the bit where all of them were in the room meeting the C- CEO, the way that the camera, like, just focuses on the main character, and then the guy just starts, like, leading forward, actually did give me major creep vibes. <laughs> yeah. Creep is <laughs> like, in the ooh. personality type, or creep is in the movie creep? Personality type. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing should ever give creep vibes. <laughs> now creep no, two I... that's another story yeah like i i don't know the mystery stuff does seem kind of interesting but the way that kind of the rom-com or romance like angle is presented it feels very for lack of a better descriptor early 2000s yeah and that portion of it is what kills my interest in the actual like murder thriller portion of it unfortunately 
There was a little too much focus on that, I think. I can understand wanting to set up that vibe to create a more unnerving sense of things once you start peeling back the layers and unraveling the mystery. But mm -hmm. there's a little too much focus on something that feels a little too dated. So Yeah. We'll yeah, see, I suppose. So. Oh, yeah. Should we move on to fall? Yes, or as I like to call it, every bad decision you could think of, the movie. Are they still handing out <laughs> Darwin Awards? Because I feel like this is the kind of thing that gets you a Darwin Award. Yeah, it was a thing of like... It, it was a thing of like when she's like, hey, I want to climb up this huge abandoned TV tower, and the girl's like, I don't know, I'm still like recoiling over like my husband, I am assuming it was her husband, dying on a mountain. It's like, yes, yes, that is completely freaking reasonable where it's like hey, your best friend is like hey i know you just had that you had this traumatic experience and you lost someone you really deeply love so why don't we fix that by reliving the traumatic experience <laughs> yeah you start with small shit yeah you don't I... you don't get over your fear of heights by climbing a mountain no you get over dumb. it by getting up on a step stool yeah, like, I I'm sorry, this is just dumb. I can't um, wait to see them both die. <laughs> I they hope won't. they do. They won't. One of them that has would, to. That would be too easy, and it would make too much sense for both of them it's to die. It's going to be the would... dumbass friend. <laughs> you know it. No, I would put my money on the main character and the dumbass friend, like, with her friend dying, is like, I've seen the error of my ways and realized why this is stupid. It's like, you didn't realize this is stupid on the ground? <laughs> no, 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 It's gonna be the best friend bites it, and the the main character finds the will to, like, climb and survive or whatever the hell. Mm. Or maybe they both kick it. Who knows? One can dream. I'm thinking either both of them survive or the lead the lead actress is the one who kicks it. This is a really like dark and callous discussion we're having right now, isn't it? <laughs> stupid is as stupid does. That's fair. No, it it just looks stupid. Play stupid like, games, win stupid prizes, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm still gonna watch it though. <laughs> I'm not. I I will definitely like be curious to see what you think of it. Oh, it's gonna be. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need the fine point pen for this one. <laughs> gonna need a lot of space to take notes. Mm. Gotta get that college rule paper. Oh yes. So I guess we gotta talk about the monsters. This looks very fun. I still refuse to believe that this is going to be a PG-rated movie. <laughs> it's funny to me. I never saw much of the monsters, so I. I don't feel like there's any tonal problem with it. Yeah. But it looks cheap. It, hmm, yeah, it kind of does, but I have, the way in how it looks cheap, I think it's one of those things where it is a conscious decision for the general art style of what they're going for, if that makes sense. No, see, I, um, I can kind of get that, but I feel like, like, okay, WandaVision, right? Mm -hmm. That's a throwback. That's a throwback to a bunch of old shows. But all their special effects are period appropriate, and it doesn't feel cheap. It feels authentic. Yeah, especially during the moments where those period effects get broken or shaken because of what's going on. Yeah, like, when the effects fall away and you get back into the stuff you're more familiar with seeing, it just adds to how effective mm -hmm. this framing is. Yeah. This doesn't feel 
period authentic. It feels cheap for the 20... It feels like it's being filmed like a 2020s thing, but cheaply. Hmm. And that's my <laughs> big thing with it. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, it's not especially funny, but I mean, the little bit I've seen of the monsters, I didn't think it was all that funny either, so... Yeah, I don't think this movie will be funny, but I think it'll be enjoyable. Like, it looks like... It definitely seems like it's going to be something where it's more... This is a let's-have-a-good-time type of movie, more than anything else. Which, in a comedy, is... Because, I mean, they're making jokes. They're making tons of jokes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's easier to have a good time in a comedy when the jokes are funny. Nothing sours my mood like bad comedy. Hmm. One Christmas, I went to go see... What was it called? Uh, what's that one with... Where it was Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, and Will Ferrell was the stepdad, and Mark Wahlberg was the actual... Daddy's Home, that's it. Uh, yeah, Daddy's Home. There is nothing... There is no feeling quite as miserable as sitting in a theater full of people watching a comedy film, and everybody is laughing except you. Because none of the jokes are hitting... It's all just stupid, mm. and just it's this kind of things you've seen a thousand times before, and even the slapstick isn't funny because it's not consistent, mm -hmm. and you're just sitting there like, why is everybody else... What? When you said Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, I was other like, guys. oh, I hope... Yeah, I was like, oh, I hope you're not going to talk smack about the other guys. No, that the other guys is magnificent. The other guys is the whole reason I saw Daddy's Home. I was like, oh, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell, that's a winning combination. Not here, it's not. No. I mean, I kind of definitely agree to that. There wasn't any particular moment that really, like, jumped out at me as being, like, really funny or whatnot. I mean, granted, the whole reason I say that I refuse to believe this movie is PG is because it is a Rob Zombie movie. Well, um, but, eh. prepare to get shrek I suppose. Oh no, I I I mean I am. It's just one of those things where it's like for all the other like works I've seen him do, it's one of those like okay, so what's like the what's like the um equivalent of the one F bomb in a PG-13 movie that this man is going to try and enact? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's like where's the Come on, where is it? It's somewhere. Mm -hmm. I know it's somewhere. Give it to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, otherwise, like I said, it looks like fun. I, I probably, again, I don't know about, like, opening weekend, but it's definitely a movie I would like to see in theaters. Mm. Yeah, I'll give it a watch. Mm -hmm. I'm just not looking forward to the aesthetic of it. No, that's fair. So I guess we're good for box office, then? Yeah. All right. So at the top of this weekend's box office, we've got Thor, the fourth one. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> it has made $46.6 million domestically in its second weekend for a $233.9 million domestic total and $499.8 million worldwide, so it's fast approaching that 500 mil. It has a $250 million production budget. Really? This is one of the most expensive Marvel movies that they've made. And it's not turning a profit yet? Oh no, it's I think turning a profit because I think its production budget was confirmed to be or its marketing budget rather was confirmed to be a hundred million. So oh, okay. it's turning money and it's gonna keep presumably making money, but it's hard to wrap my head around this being one of the more expensive ones, but I guess we'll get yeah. into that later. Mm hmm Second place, Minions The Rise of Gru, twenty six point eight million dollar domestic weekend, 
263.4 million domestic total and 534.2 million worldwide against an 80 million dollar budget. So mm. that's raking in the money. Mm-hmm. Third place, where the crawdads sing. It looks like this one is only released domestically because it the numbers I've got are that it's got a 17.2 million dollar total because it just came out okay. this weekend and that's also including worldwide because I guess it didn't release worldwide. Okay. Does it any news on like what its budget was? Twenty four million. So. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Mm. It we'll might see. have some legs. We'll see. Yeah. Fourth place, and I I cannot believe this movie is still in the top. But I mean, I guess I can, but I I still kind of can't. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> this is again love this movie the bits. I loved every second of it, but it's like. It's kind of like the friend who refuses to go home and is still drunk. It's like, nah, I still got something in me. It's like, everyone's trying to shove them out. It's like Thor, Love, and Thunder and whatnot are trying to shove them out. It's like, no, it's our turn. They're like, make me go! <laughs> yeah, it took in $12.2 million domestically this weekend for a $618.2 million domestic total and a $1.2 billion worldwide total. It is now mm. Paramount's highest-grossing film and has surpassed Titanic. Which is something. Yeah. And I'm glad that that title has been taken by a movie that's actually good. You know, I've still never seen Titanic, so I can't really weigh in, but... I saw Titanic once years ago, and I hated every second of it. <laughs> Fair enough. we have to watch it at some point. But granted, it's also been years since I've seen it, so I don't know. Maybe, like, if I watch it again, I would not have as harsh opinion. But I remember, like, hating watching it. Mm. And then in fifth place, we got Elvis at $8 million domestic for a $106.6 million domestic total and $186.4 million worldwide. Its budget was $85 million reportedly, so it sounds like it's making okay. a little bit of money at least. Yeah, it's it's made a tiny bit of money. That's uh, assuming the two times its production budget for marketing. Could be mm -hmm. smaller. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I still have to see that at some point, and I'd like to. It's just, it's so hard to psych myself up to see an almost three-hour movie about Elvis. From what I've seen about the movie, the two main things that always get talked about, that are talked about, is that, um... I forget the actor who plays Elvis. Austin Butler. Uh, Austin Butler. Apparently the general consensus is Austin Butler does an amazing job and carries this movie, like, all the way, but this movie does not need to be three hours long. Like, those are basically mm. the two main pieces of feedback that I've been seeing about it. Yeah, same, and that's part of what makes it so difficult. Mm -hmm. Speaking of difficult, should we start talking about the movie we saw last weekend? Yes. Alright, uh, we're gonna start with non-spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder. Short answer, I hated this movie. <laughs> Short answer for me. I did not hate this movie, but I definitely didn't like it. This is, for me, easily the worst MCU movie since Phase 3 started. It's, I think, actually the worst Thor movie, potentially the worst Marvel or the worst MCU movie we've had. This is the first one where sitting in the theater, I was not having a good time. Even Ragnarok, and I hate Ragnarok. You know what I think <laughs> about that movie. It's the... <laughs> It's my least favorite movie that I still quote incessantly and is still actually really well made. There's just some mm -hmm. things about it tonally and 
structurally that I cannot stand that kind of wrecked the whole thing for me. But Love and Thunder is a fucking mess. Yeah, so the big thing for me in this movie is that... Because I, I remember you mentioning that this movie had already been cut down quite significantly when they made the final product, but there were still way too many times where I thought, like, okay, why do we have time for this? Why is this happening? If they got rid of this, it would not have hurt anything in the movie otherwise. Like, there were a lot of moments like that for me, and that took away from the overall experience. Especially, I, I know that you've mentioned before how much you hate, um, like, slapstick Thor but there were definitely a few times where it's like okay no this is actually like a bit too much and I feel bad to an extent because from what I understand Chris Hemsworth actually really enjoys that yeah no he likes this new direction for Thor which good for him I guess but yeah I I mean I definitely feel like you you can see that he's having a a genuinely like very good time and honestly it's great to see that because Chris Hemsworth is a cool dude but it, there were just way too many times where it's just like, I know this is dumb. This doesn't need to be happening. Um, and it was, and it became especially annoying because when we had the more serious moments, it genuinely felt like a breath of fresh air that did not last nearly long enough. Yeah. This is a two-hour movie that feels like it could have been an hour and a half. This easily could have been an, a 90-minute film, and it would have been probably the same if not a tiny, tiny bit worse, but for me, a negligible amount worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is one of the very few times where we both agree in a general sense on a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, this is wacky. This usually, is really weird. Usually, and I wouldn't even say on a Marvel movie. I'd say usually, if if I dislike a movie, there's usually some dissension somewhere. Yeah. Either because you liked it or because we dislike it for different reasons. And I mean, in this case, it's still to different extents. Like, I I kind of fucking despise this one. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, it's... if Taika Waititi does not come back for Thor 5, nothing of value will be lost to me. <laughs> um. Yeah, for me, it's a thing of like... And it's really weird for me, especially because I am incredibly easy to entertain. Like... Like, I still, in like, even though it is an objectively horrible movie, I still really liked The Rise of Skywalker because Dear it God. basically, no, for the single reason that it killed any expectations I had in the first 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's like, okay, Palpatine's so. back. Yeah, it's like, so, I'm like, coming to the it's like, all right, we're going to get a whole thing about, like, how Palpatine came back and what happened. Opening crawl. Palpatine has returned. Oh, I'm like, all right. Starting out at zero, all right. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know what? I have zero expectations for this movie, so I can I can now have a good time with this movie. I was able to just take all the stupidity in, like, jest because of that. But there was really not much of that for me here. Because it is a thing of like, okay, so we're coming off of, granted, I don't really remember a lot of Ragnarok, but we're coming off of Ragnarok and anything that's happened in between, between, um, like, Loki and part two of um, Infinity War and all that. So there's a lot of that carrying over. And it's, 
and it just doesn't hit the ground running at all. It kind of feels like it's hit the ground and just face planted immediately and just refused to get off the floor. Yeah, it it's amazing to me that when this movie first got announced in 2019, my expectations were already low because I didn't much care for Ragnarok, but it was like, okay, they had their shot at Ragnarok, the actual Norse god apocalypse, and they fucked that up. So, like, mm-hmm. this can only go up, I think. Yeah. My big concern at the time was Natalie Portman coming back and playing Jane Foster as Thor, because Jane Foster as Thor was a terrible arc in the comics, and Natalie Portman was not great in the first two Thor movies, especially not the second one. So it was mm-hmm. a case of, this feels like the weak link. Turns out, she's the best part of the fucking movie. And not oh, even yes. because everything else <laughs> sucks, although it kind of does. It's because she's genuinely good. Yeah. No, like, her whole thing in the movie, like, how she is, it's like, she's enjoyable just because it's like, our, the stakes are a bit higher for her, and it shows in her character. And it's like, it's the kind of thing where it feels more natural in the moments where she's goofy, because Thor's had, what, 1,500 years to develop his whole personality, and this goofster thing has only been a thing for the last, what, eight? Yeah, so, eight or so. So it feels weird coming from him, especially because half the things he does sound like they're Earth references, just tweaked for Asgard. And it's like, this is not the right... Even if we wanted a more humorous Thor, this isn't the right style. But for Jane, it works, because she's a formerly normal person who is now a superhero herself. So when she does stuff like trying out a bunch of new catchphrases that are all awful, it's like, you know what? I would do that. Yeah, you you were living a normal life, just like any other person, and it's like, I have superpowers. It's like, I am literally, like, I just became, like, Avenger-level powerful overnight. Holy crap, what do I do? <laughs> no, that part feels good. I actually appreciate the explanation for why she's able to wield the hammer and how the hammer is back. We'll get into that later in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the only other part that I thought was really good was... Christian Bale, and he was well underutilized for this. Oh, yes. Um, and also, I guess the last thing for me, I guess, before we get into the spoilers um, um, section, is that this is, I think, one of the very few times where I genuinely became annoyed with the presence of Guns N' Roses. Because I like oh, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> the music in this is so obnoxious. Yeah. I genuinely like Guns N' Roses. I haven't listened to a lot of their music, but it's like this... No, like, none of this fits. It just seems like it's there to fillet Thor for no other reason. I don't feel like, especially when, because they overplay, used the overplayed songs like Paradise City and Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, when they used Welcome to the Jungle, I did think it's like, why? And they started with that. (laughs) That's the first song in the movie. Yeah. God damn it. And it added nothing, in my opinion. The closest you got to a sleeper hit was November Rain. And that's nowhere <laughs> close. It's just not Paradise City. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. This doesn't even feel like a movie. It feels like a bunch of music. It feels like a bunch of, like, AMVs. Yeah! And movie posters. And movie posters. Like, yeah, all no, the shots kinda... that aren't fights feel like movie posters. And all the actual fight scenes or all the bits with Guns N' Roses, it just feels like somebody somebody submitted it to, like, an anime convention AMV contest. 
Here's my <laughs> here's my Thor: Love and Thunder entry. It's so mm-hmm. I God, these movies are just worse Guardians of the Galaxy in every conceivable way, and it's so baffling to me that in this worst Guardians movie, the Guardians are barely in it, despite mm-hmm. actually being in it. But God, like the humor is worse. They don't know when to let the humor sit. Like, does Guardians have stupid jokes? Yes, absolutely. Do the jokes go too far and too long sometimes? Yes, 100%. But when James Gunn wants to let a moment stick, that moment is gonna fucking stick. Yondu's <laughs> funeral makes me cry every goddamn time. And every single line that could conceivably even be taken as a joke does not break the mood because it is based in these characters and how they operate. Whereas the Thor movies, all the fucking ghost mood-breaking humor just feels like it's fucking... Oh, this would be funny, wouldn't it? Does it work for the character? Who gives a fuck? (laughs) And the music... It's like, it's also Guardians Light because it's just like, hey, let's just use popular songs, only instead of trying to dive into a well and find something that fits the mood, let's just do stuff that just fits the... Yeah. Vaguely fits in terms of lyrics, like, oh, Thor's getting into a fight, welcome to the jungle time. Oh, we're going to New Asgard, uh, Paradise City. He's got, he's got, running fights with the sweet child of mine. I don't fucking know. God, I. You know, I, I didn't think about that angle when you mentioned it because it is a thing of as far as like when the Marvel movies have licensed music, Guardians of the Galaxy is the one that always blows it out of the park for me. Not including the ones where, like, the people who make the movie collaborate with studios, like what would happen with, like, Black Panther and Kendrick Lamar and Shang-Chi and 88 Rising. So to have Guns and Roses just be there during the Guardian scene is like, no, that is actually kind of a letdown. Because usually the music choice, and especially the tone of the music choice, is a lot better than that. Yeah, this was terrible. Ugh. Should we go into spoilers? Yeah, as I say, and we haven't even gotten to the worst parts because we've got spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. And for me, personally, if I may start... Yeah, go for it. The thing that I hated the most, if anything, at least the first thing that came to my mind, is the whole thing of um, Stormbreaker being sentient and how they use that. Because instead of it... Because it's like... this. I'm seeing this like... This should be a really big deal. Like, if this thing is actually sentient, this opens so many doors and so many possibilities. And how they use that is making it where the where um, Stormbreaker gets jealous of Mjolnir. No, no, see, like legitimately. See, <laughs> I can I can almost wrap my head around Stormbreaker being sentient because it's made of brute wood and also Thor planted it into the ground at the start mm-hmm. of Love and Thunder. So maybe that did it. And maybe that explains why it wasn't demonstrably sentient in Infinity War or Endgame, because he hadn't planted it yet, ergo it was just a piece of dead Groot wood. Mm-hmm. But within the confines of this movie, they clearly just did that so they don't have Stormbreaker's Bifrost summoning capabilities as a quick teleportation thing, which is why they gotta take the boat. But it's so baffling to me, because if Stormbreaker is sentient now, how come mm-hmm. when Gore grabs it, it doesn't just immediately go, Oi, you ain't the guy. Piss off, bro. <laughs> Why does it still let him use it? So what was actually kind of funny about that whole angle as well for me internally is that when they first try to show it during the whole scene where like Thor's in Town Hall and trying to call Mjolnir, 
when uh when Stormbreaker comes up, in my brain I'm thinking, oh, so he's just completely tied to Stormbreaker now, so Stormbreaker responds instead, and then he starts talking to him, like, why the fuck is he talking to Stormbreaker? And then later it's like, oh, oh, this is bad. <laughs> and the even dumber part is, like I said, ostensibly they did this because they wanted to tamper down Stormbreaker's go anywhere in the universe whenever they want capabilities because then you don't have much of, a, of an adventure movie if you can just go wherever, whenever. And then they proceed yeah. to introduce two other things with the exact same abilities because they bring in the Thunderbolt and Thor uses that to teleport and they establish Valkyrie's horse can apparently teleport to anywhere in the fucking universe. So congratulations, you solved the problem by making the problem worse. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb yeah if they um, already if valkyrie already knows about the whole eternity thing why did they never check it out during the five-year time skip that seems like it would have been a really good way to bring back <laughs> half the universe who's fucking dead yeah that's a good question i didn't think about that <laughs> they may not have known that the bifrost was the key but you think if they blip because they know apparently they know where it is so you think mm -hmm. They it, once they pop in and they see that the symbol on the door is the fucking Bifrost symbol, they might think, huh, let's give this a go. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else was there? For most of the movie, Gore and Thor have the exact same on-screen god kill count of one. Of one. Yeah. Which kind of goes into my thoughts on Christian Bale, because I actually, when we got out of the movie, I went on Reddit and a couple other places to see what people were talking about. And by far, the biggest criticism was the whole thing of, like, you know, for someone named Gore the God Killer, man's not really killing a lot of gods on screen. Nah, uh, he kills yeah. one at the start, and that's all we get. Which, you know, I get it, like, adaptations and what have you, they change and they mix stuff up and... So maybe you can only get away with showing so much god butchery in a PG-13 movie, but you know how you fix that? You don't call him the god butcher! And it was really weird on that angle, because when they kill the first god, he literally bleeds gold. And it's like, okay, that's still uncomfortable, but that is definitely a good way around, like, you know, not having the rating being too high if you want to show killings but not make it inappropriate or anything like that and more easier to digest and it's like oh and that's the only time we see that cool <laughs> heimdall has a son yeah <laughs> a wife and a son and we've never heard about or seen either of them before which is uh i kind of had mixed things on that because on one hand yes it's very stupid it's especially stupid that there's no explanation of that, but I did actually enjoy Heimdall's son a bit. <laughs> He's alright, except for the part where they use him to just tie into the weird Guns N' Roses obsession more. Mm -hmm. Because they explicitly name drop that he's calling himself Axel after Axel Rose, and it's, what is this fucking love affair with Guns N' Roses? For fuck's sake, pick another band. Because it's retro 80s theme. And for some godforsaken reason, again, even though I like Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses apparently defines 80s rock for a lot of people. Kaiju Big Battle used Rainbow in the Dark better than this movie. <laughs> um, you know what? I am. You know what? I am now actually a little bit sad that I missed that. <laughs> Just for that comment. Yeah. No. I, I, they used it for like Double Unicorn Dark's 
entrance song at Kaiju Big Battle, which is better than just playing it over the end credits like they did for fucking Love and Thunder. And by the way, if anyone is confused about this segue, once you finish listening to this podcast, go YouTube search Kaiju Big Battle. You will not regret it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Battle is spelled B-A-T-T-E-L, though, so be be prepared. Yes. God, I just... This movie is so frustrating. Why? So Jane has cancer, and apparently Mjolnir, every time she picks it up, it makes her cancer worse because it's purging the chemotherapy, which is a thing in the comics that it doesn't bother me. But why then did Mjolnir call out to her? Because Thor said to protect her, and it's literally killing her. So the whole... Actually, that part did bother me, the whole thing of it, getting rid of her chemo, because it's one of those things where it's like... I feel like that's something that should have gotten more establishment or notice before we passed the point of no return. That was kind of like my thought process when that whole part got revealed in the movie. Mm. It's like, I feel like this is something that should have been like at least hinted at beforehand. It kind of felt like it came out of nowhere in the movie. Yeah, there's a decent explanation in the comics. How it works is that apparently when Mjolnir transforms its holder, it purges all poisons from their body. And the magic recognizes that chemo is a poison, but it doesn't recognize the cancer because it's technically part of Jane. Okay, you know what? That's actually pretty neat. Yeah, what bothers me is the fact that Mjolnir is expressly supposed to be protecting her in this continuity, so why does it keep calling her knowing that it's killing her? And, hell, if we assume Mjolnir doesn't know that's happening... Why does it do it once they find out? You'd think that would alter the details a little bit. This movie yeah. with its sentient weapon bullshit is just... God. Korg is insufferable! <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of him! And by extension, Taika Waititi! When they do the whole thing of, like, destroying Korg, it's like, oh my god, that's a high-stakes kill. Wait, no, it's Taika Waititi. For five seconds, alive. I was in pure <laughs> bliss. <laughs> thought he was fucking dead and not only did they not kill him they took out any reason for him to be in the movie because he's no longer able to serve as muscle since he's just a face and then they keep him around anyway what the Mm -hmm. fuck he's literally just there to make stupid unfunny jokes so i don't dislike taika waititi mostly just because there's a couple things that he's made that i still like very heavily enjoy Jojo Rabbits being one of them but it was kind of a thing of when that part happened it's like okay like like I, I like you man but you there is actually no reason for you to still be here this is kind of dumb now <laughs> this movie had like seven screaming goat jokes in it so I got tired of the um of the goats almost immediately except for the portion where they crash into the moon that was good that was the only part of the goats where I'm like okay I like that. That was very funny. <laughs> but it's so... It wasn't funny the first time, and then they just kept it going, and it's so fucking dated. Yeah. It's such a... And the even weirder thing is, apparently, what happened was, one of the effects companies did a shot of the goats adding the... the goat screaming remix theme, or meme, and Waititi thought it was hilarious, so he just added the whole thing in. It's like, bro, this meme's fucking ten years old. <laughs> what the hell? Mm, yeah, that was kind of weird. Gore's whole shtick is the gods don't care about people, so he kidnaps a bunch of people that the gods care about to get them to cooperate. What the fuck is that? 
that was really the only like major foil in Gore's like portrayal in the movie, because he like I don't really have anything more to add to that, but I do want to say that Christian Bale as Gore was definitely my favorite part of the whole movie. And also, why didn't he wish for his wife back? He <laughs> he does a whole thing about who's gonna look after my daughter. It's like do do you not have a wife? Do you not have any other family members? Is it was it just you guys? Can't you just wish for your whole family back? Mm. You fucking idiot. Like, you could wish back... If you can wish for all <laughs> gods to die, surely you could wish back multiple people. I can't imagine it only works one way. The Infinity is like, all right. Like, Gore's like, oh, all my family's dead. The Infinity's like, okay, so this man's gonna wish for his family. Gore just talks to us like, and I want all the gods dead. It's like, that works too. Uh. <laughs> It's one of those movies where it feels like they had the ending in mind first, and they just had to work backwards towards it. And it's just, it's so lazy. Mm -hmm. And they queerbaited the hell out of everybody. They did what to everybody? I'm sorry. They they made a whole thing earlier on when the movie was in development about how it was going to be about, there was going to be a subplot about Valkyrie finding her queen. You know what Valkyrie doesn't do in this movie? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah! Wow. Yeah, that sucks. That's that would have been awesome. Awful. Because she yeah. doesn't do anything. No, she doesn't. Except troll. I mean, she trolls in ways that I would do if I was in her shoes. I'm not going to lie. But otherwise, as far as for like from a from a storytelling standpoint, she, she really doesn't. Also, Gore's right. Mm -hmm. Except for the Asgardians, every god we see in the movie is a jackass. <laughs> and all the gods that are supposedly good guys that he's killed, we don't see. We only get Thor's word that one of them is a good guy, and this Thor's kind of an idiot, so I don't know if I trust him. So, <laughs> like, there's no reason for... What's the reason to stop him? The only reason to stop him is Thor dies. Because mm -hmm. it's like, he's right. All the gods are assholes, except Thor. There's no refutation of this. There is no point where it's pointed out that Gore is going too far in this quest. It's just like, oh yeah, man, they all suck, but like, you don't gotta do this. Doesn't he? Yeah, no. The only thing that happens with the gods is trying to get everyone together to be like, hey, he's trying to kill us. But there's still not an... There's. It's never felt like at any point that there was an argument made for, besides the fact that Thor is a god... Why would she, we should be rooting for their survival? You know what? You know the even nuttier thing? Mm-hmm. Gore the God Butcher is the bad guy, right? Yes. He wants to kill a bunch of gods. Mm-hmm. There's a whole scene where Thor is beseeching a whole council of gods for help. Gore mm -hmm. does not show up. Yeah! That would have been <laughs> fucking perfect! <laughs> that would have been awesome, actually. I know they tried to kind of explain it by saying, it's like, this is a secret location that only the gods know about. It's like... And during that whole time, it's like, okay, so Gore is going to show up, right? Like, because that's too, that's literally too perfect of an excuse. And it's like, no, never shows up. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, Russell Crowe is pretty good as Zeus. Oh, that was Russell Crowe, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> no, that was Russell Crowe. Okay, all right. Also, we got Brett Goldstein as Hercules in the post-credit scene. <laughs> Dude, I feel bad. But it is still very funny how I just instantly disappointed you after that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Because the, the main problem I have, it, it's funny. Usually the post credit scenes are the bits that have me the most hyped walking out of a movie theater because I'll be like, oh man, I can't wait for that. What does this mean? This could mean a number of things. This could mean this, this could mean that. And when I saw Hercules at the end of the first, mm -hmm. of the mid credit scene, 
my reaction was basically, oh, oh, that's so cool. Oh my God, I can't wait. I can't wait to see them fuck it up like they did this one. <laughs> Damn it. Because historically in the comics, Hercules is kind of a oaf and a boar and a goofball. He's mm. more akin to what Thor is in the movies. So mm-hmm. my reckoning is I feel like they're probably just going to have two of these goofballs running around. And when Greg pointed that out, my reaction was just an instant deflated, oh, god damn it, you're right. (laughs) And it was, that moment was, it was one of the few times where I genuinely felt bad just laughing out loud, but your reaction killed me. (laughs) I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where I think the angle would be that the two of them are enemies, but... They just are trying to out-goofball each other. And it's a thing like, yeah, this this definitely won't get old anytime soon. It got old in this one. Hmm. Oh, now we have two of them. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. What do we think of Thor having a kid, functionally? She is so adorable. <laughs> yeah. I remember us talking about, was it Fast and Furious 8 that had the rescuing the baby from a Yeah, Fate of the bit? Furious was that one. Yeah, and I completely understand your whole thing about how it's cheating, and I do kind of feel like it's cheating in this, but it's still, like, just adorable on its own. It doesn't get the movie points back, but it is cute as hell. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, do hate that the apparently Love and Thunder thing was just a setup to this. You know what? You know what? I almost forgot. One thing I do really like about this movie, other than Jane Foster's Thor and the little bit of Christian Bale butchering gods that we got, the other Mm. thing that I really like about this movie, Thor temporarily empowering a bunch of kids with the Thor Force. That was great. That was some good fucking shit. That was really great. I'd be lying if I said part of my brain didn't go, this is kind of stupid. And child endangerment. And, And mass child endangerment. It's like... This is really stupid, but it's also really fun, and I think the fun outweighs the stupid at this very moment. That one little kid had fucking eye beams coming out of her bunny. Yeah. The stuffed, I think she, like... Just hugging the stuffed animal and it's just shooting eye beams. What a fucking... <laughs> what a champ. Shotgun Mjolnir was cool. Yeah, that was that was neat. That was pretty neat. I was just like, apply shotgun food to Mjolnir. We're, we're good with that. <laughs> so, I think Jane's coming back. I hope not. Because she's currently a Valkyrie in the comics. Does she go to Valhalla in the comics? I think she died and then came back. Okay. I... It would be something Marvel would do, but I really hope not, because she got a great ending, honestly. The whole thing of, it's like, well, you're a god, and you showed showed your power. Welcome to Valhalla. It's like, yes... This is actually a really good ending of this character. Okay, no, you don't want another nitpick time. Hmm. Thor makes a whole thing to Sif about how you have to die in battle in order to get into Valhalla, and apparently dying of your injuries after the fact doesn't count for some reason. Mm-hmm. Jane dies to cancer. And she still gets in. I think the thought process with that is that her like, more or less sacrificing herself to beat Gore, and as such, greatly accelerating the cancer that kills her is why she was able to get in Valhalla. I think that's kind of what they were trying to hint towards. Yeah, but Sif dying of trying to save another god from who hasn't done anything from being butchered surely would count. If a battle with cancer gets you in, wouldn't a battle not to bleed out also get you in? 
stupid fucking movie. You would think so. But no, I I genuinely hope they don't bring Jane Foster back. And not even because I didn't like Jane Foster in this. It's just because, no, this is this is fine. This is good. We can kind of park this character because she's kind of done everything now. Like, this movie doesn't give a shit about fucking emotional stakes. It never did. Ragnarok didn't. Why the fuck? Mm. So, what does it matter? Thor comics after Ragnarok? Everybody comes back eventually. Just fucking do it. <laughs> Clean slate this shit. Who gives a fuck? Which is funny because I think I've had, I know I've had discussions with you how one of the things that does bother me about comic book anything, and I know it's like part of the course for it, is how few people who die stay dead. Oh yeah, no, it's infuriating. Um, But when it comes to creatures of mythology and legend and what have you, and magic, I think there's some wiggle room there. Yeah, that's fair. But even still, from like kind of a, from the perspective of like a movie, since you have, relatively speaking, at least as far as I can see it, much more limited space to tell all of that. It is nice when someone you care about stays dead, because now it has a, if it's done well at least, it has a long-lasting effect that doesn't lose anything, kind of like what happened with, when um, Black Widow died. So I, I genuinely hope they don't bring her back, not because of any ill will, just because it's like, no, this is this is fine. We, we don't need more of her. We're good. Does Gore have eye beams? I don't know, does he? His daughter has eye beams? I Didn't she get that after she was resurrected, though? Yeah, I don't know, though, because, like, he didn't... Did he wish for her back with superpowers? Doesn't the Infinity take the form of her Eternity. daughter? Eternity, sorry, take the form of the daughter, though? I don't know, it's ambiguous, but if that's the case, then she didn't really come back, and that means Gore wasted his wish and should have just wished for all gods to die anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... Uh, talk about a cheap purchase there. <laughs> God, this movie was disappointing. Mm. And I did not want to go into it wanting to hate it. I wanted to go in at least having a decent time. Yeah, like, I went in thinking, like, okay, this is not going to be anything fantastic. But, like, relatively speaking to other Marvel movies, like, I don't think there's going to be, like, something where it's, like, uh, what would be kind of an equivalent movie? I'm not expecting where... The Winter Soldier, and I'm not expecting Guardians Volume 2, but I was hoping for something better than possibly the worst thing I've ever seen in the MCU. Yeah, just overall, like, just genuinely disappointing. And again, really weird how we agree on not liking it, and we agree on similar things, but for, I guess, slightly different reasons, because it's yeah. like, never happens. <laughs> I'm out of rants, I think. Yeah, I don't have anything new to add to that. It's, I guess the conclusion more than anything is, can you have fun with it? Yes. Is it good? Absolutely not. Yeah. And if you actually, you know, like Thor from the comics, you're probably not going to like this one. No. So I guess that about wraps this up, because since Nick isn't here and you haven't seen any of Miss Marvel, I can't exactly talk about the back half of it still. I think I'm going to rework my approach to these marvel disney plus shows i'm not exactly sure how yet but trying to do this week by week episode thing is just not panning out partly due to when i chose to release these because didn't think about they were going to come out functionally a week after the episode already did when the new episode's out anyways gonna give it some thought i'll come back to it fortunately we got some time until she hulk comes out Mm -hmm. if you got any ideas in the comments of how you want to see it tackled well let me know Yes, but until then, this has been, I don't know, I'm just going to do the ending. Can I do the ending? Am I allowed to do that? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Take it away, Greg! I am Greg. And I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. 
and this has been Under the Bridge. Like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Spotify. If you have any suggestions for us, leave them in the comments below, and otherwise, have a wonderful evening. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night.